that we'll see you in court. <laughs> Thank you. Have a nice day. Oh, hi, Mark. It's delicious. <laughs> oh, my God. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Big Fat Cult Movie Podcast. My name is Chris Mayo, I'm a writer, a comedian, an actor, and a lover of weird and wonderful films. In this podcast, with the help of a special guest, I will be looking at a different film each episode and picking it apart, looking at a number of different categories. Those categories are sex and nudity, violence, acting, WTF moments, writing, and special effects. We'll rate the film for each of those topics out of five, as well as giving our overall thoughts and rating on the film, our favourite characters, our favourite scenes, and at the end of each episode we will quiz each other on the film that we have just seen to see who is paying more attention. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, thank you very much for tuning in, I hope you enjoy it, and if you're a regular listener, welcome back, and thank you for continuing to support the podcast. If you'd like to get in contact, you can do that on Twitter at Big Fat Cult. Let me know what you thought about the film, or if you have any suggestions for future films or guests, I'd love to hear them. You can also find me on Twitter at Chris underscore Mayo, and we have a Facebook page as well. Just search Big Fat Cult Podcast. There are a number of ways that you can support the podcast. If you would like to, you can leave a nice review and rating on Apple Podcasts. That would be really appreciated. And it helps us get the word out to more film fans, which is what we want. You can also buy a badge. They are £3. That includes postage to the UK or £5. And that includes postage everywhere else. Or if you would just like to donate to the podcast, you can do that on the same website. The website is ko-fi.com. That's coffee.com forward slash Chris Mayo. There'll be a link in the description and you can buy a badge there or just give a donation for any amount. Also, some very exciting news, we have opened a Big Fat Cult movie store on eBay. So if you want to buy any of the films that we've talked about in the podcast, a lot of them you can find on the store, as well as loads of other cult films from the likes of Vinegar Syndrome, Arrow Video, Severin Films, The Criterion Collection, and loads more. So wherever you are in the world, we do ship internationally and you can get loads of great deals on cult films. Some of them are collector's editions, some of them are limited editions, some of them are box sets, some of them are out of print. So if that sounds like the kind of thing that you would like to do, then go check out our store. It is on eBay, Big Fat Cult movie store and there will be a link in the description below as well. As with every episode we will be going into a lot of detail so that means there will be plenty of spoilers ahead so if you have yet to see this film then do pause the episode right now, go and watch it and rush back to listen to us discuss it on the podcast. This episode I am really excited to welcome back the brilliant Carrie Thompson as my special guest. Carrie joined me in the very first episode of the podcast to discuss the brilliant Demon Wind. If you haven't listened to that episode already, go and check it out. Carrie is an actor, a writer, a theatre maker, and one half of Hermetic Arts, a theatre and audio drama company focusing on sci-fi, horror, and the dark arts. They are absolutely fantastic. And a link to their stuff will be in the description below, as always. That is enough waffle, let's get cracking on with the episode. It's loads of fun, and Carrie is, as always, a brilliant guest, so I hope you enjoy it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our discussion about 1976's supernatural horror, Burnt Offerings. It all began as a summer vacation. A young family found a beautiful old house. It had secluded, spacious grounds, a large swimming pool, magnificent furnishings, so you are the people who want to rent this house. What do you mean it's $900 and then it's all ours? Well, there is one other thing. It's hardly a catch. They thought it was the answer to their dreams, but it was the beginning of a nightmare. Oh, God! Oh, God! In this old house, up this staircase, behind this locked door, 
Something lives. Something strange. Something powerful. Something evil. Stay away from that dog! It will possess this woman. It will destroy this man. It will terrify this child. And no one can stop it. Burnt offering. Hey, Carrie, welcome back for the second time in, you know, not that many weeks. So either you've not got a lot on or you're very excited to talk about our, our film today or a combination of both. I am so excited to talk about the film today. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you've been on the podcast before. We know that you like weird and wonderful films. We know you like cult films. Have you seen any films since the last time we spoke? Oh, my gosh. All I can think of is Burnt Offerings, uh, which I have seen... <laughs> twice since we last spoke um what nice. have i seen my gosh i had a whole day where all i watched was cat films we watched the legacy which wasn't really a cat film it was kind of missold um i was missold a cat <laughs> film can you believe it it has a cat very prominently on the cover and actually it's just a bit of a boring horror film oh, um night a of a thousand cats watch that okay that sounds like it would definitely have a lot of cats in it. It, it did, about a thousand. Yeah. Um, very concentrated, though. They were all sort of in two or three scenes. There's just okay. like a lot of cats. <laughs> I would have preferred them spread out. I prefer a smattering of cats. Again, not a great <laughs> film. 1972. Kind of a bit jello-ish, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. I would say, like some jello, it's more of a mood piece. Okay. More of a mood piece than a, than a film with a... The plot. Uh, <laughs> how to describe it? <laughs> I think you just have to see it for yourself. It's only an hour long. Oh, okay. So it's only an hour of your life that you'll never get back. Mm. So, yeah. What was the other one that we watched? Cats, on, I'm guessing. No, I haven't seen that yet. Whoa. You spent a day <laughs> watching cat films and you did not watch Cats. We were kind of looking at, we wanted to look at like 70s and 80s cat films. But okay. maybe, maybe we'll do like present day. Yeah. I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of cats as a as a creature. I mean, I like them. I think that they're cute. It's been really nice being on this podcast. I've really enjoyed <laughs> it. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, well, we've, we've covered all that. <laughs> covered our feelings about that. How about you? What have you seen? Oh God! I mean, I've been watching all the films for the podcast. I've also been working my way through the video nasties list. The official you know, 39 films that were deemed too gross for public consumption. And how is that? A lot of them are just not, you know, not that gory, really. I mean, I saw one called Bloody Moon, which was pretty good. Terrible acting. Is it about periods? It sounds like it's about periods. It's not, no. Oh, disappointing. What was it about? It was about a masked serial killer who... Oh no! Wait, no. I'm thinking of a completely different film. See, I've merged. I've I've merged two <laughs> films into. No, I watched the Toolbox Murders. I was going to comment on how jaded you sounded. <laughs> like it's like I don't know. It's like a serial killer, and it's like it's like you've got to that phase where all the films yeah. is just, it's just one film. Well, yeah. Well, the, the certain kind of horror exploitation era of films, but they're all quite similar, really. Just yeah. you know, men drilling horrible things into women, mostly. Yeah, like Jallo movies. Have you have yes. you gone into Jallo a lot? It's just like yeah, yeah, a lady yeah. with nice hair just sort of yeah. gets well, I watched assaulted, a... then dies. Don't torture a duckling yesterday. I saw that. Was... Good poster. It's a great poster, but it's you know, mm. not the best film, in my opinion. Um, Will but you I love torture all, I love a duckling? Would I? After, after having seen no, it? No, absolutely not. Well, then the movie no. has done its job. 
Well, we should move on to the, the, the film of the day, of the week, of the episode, of the year, perhaps. Let's see what you think. <laughs> film of the century. Yes. Burnt Offerings. Let me read you the IMDb synopsis, which is very minimal, actually, and makes it sound quite dull. But a family moves into a large old mansion that seems to have a mysterious and maybe even sinister power over their actions. I guess it kind of sums it up, but... Um, Burnt Offerings came out in 1976, directed by Dan Curtis, original novel written by Robert Morasco, screenplay William F. Nolan, stars Karen Black, Oliver Reed, Betty Davis, Burchess Meredith, loads of amazing people in this film, which we will come to in, in due course. What were your initial thoughts on the film when you saw it for the first time? I love this film so much. It's brilliant. It's basically The Shining, but in a small house. And I, I'm always up for a haunted house mm-hmm. drama and, you know, a haunted house drama where the house reflects sort of the relationship dynamics within the family and exacerbates them and, yeah, just hurts people that way. A good sort of yeah. psychological haunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when when did you see it for the first time? I think it was last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was last year sometime. It's been in my mind ever since. I watch a lot <laughs> of films. And this one... I think this might have been as part of a Oliver Reed is brilliant series of watchings. Uh, nice. Somewhat more substantial than cat films, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, Not exactly. for me to say, but it's... Uh... <laughs> well, there was this one, and I think, um, yeah, because I remember annoying my housemate because we watched this, and then we watched The Brood. Lovely. David Cronenberg, and that's his, my housemate's all-time favourite movie. Oh, Okay. And our running in-joke is that, yeah, but it's no burnt offerings. Every time he talks about the brood, it's like, yeah, but it's not. And like, obviously, you can't compare these films at all. The only thing they have in common, really, is Oliver Reed Mm. being whispery and awesome in everything. Yeah. Well, when you recommended this film to me, I thought it's either going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be the worst thing I've ever seen and, and therefore amazing, or it's going to be really good. And I thought overall it was really good. It's got some inexplicable moments that we'll come to and but generally I found it pretty freaky and and creepy and yeah oh I hate stuff with really plinky plonky 70s music and then horrible close-up shots of people looking intense it just really gets under my skin for some reason it reminded me a bit (laughs) of Rosemary's Baby in that sense where there's lots of like and then horrible um just you know intense-eyed actors looking trembly and uh, horrible music and like sweaty upper lips and brows yeah, and things and like that horrible contact lenses and ugh, ugh. yeah <laughs> i found it really unsettling which is why i just whenever we got in uh, whenever i got into the credits on the three times i watched it i was like no no don't need any more of that creepy music i'm I need to cleanse my soul oh i was a big fan i love the music I yeah I, yeah something about 70s music i don't know uh, 70s films rather 70s and 80s just make me feel really unsettled that's great that's that's what that's what they're supposed well that's what this one is supposed to do yeah something about the 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 look of film with you know mixed with all the intense acting and the music and everything it's overall this one particularly it's so bleached out the sun it's so you can feel the heat Yes, I I watched it on Arrow's Blu-ray release, which has got loads of special features. So I listened to two audio commentaries, uh, four interviews with some of the actors and watched the trailer and then watched the digitally enhanced version. So it looks really good, yeah. The Dull Undertaker interview, DVD extra, that um, 
The Undertaker. Yeah, he died Anthony last James? month. Yeah. Last month? He, yeah, he died, um, yeah, end of May. Oh, wow. Very sad. I know. Yeah, I mean, he's got, yes, Anthony James, who plays the, the chauffeur. He's uh, got quite an interesting career. He's been in yeah, loads of... Yeah, he's done all sorts. Been in loads of stuff. So your initial thoughts on the film, did they stand up to when you rewatched it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I fell in love with it even more this time, actually, because I think it is a film that stands up to a second watching just because mm. of the way the, the plot plays out. And there yeah. are things that you can pick up on that wouldn't have seemed significant in the first viewing. And also, I know how you feel about 70s films, but I love them purely for the furniture and the yeah. aesthetic. Yeah, I yeah, love... Yeah because you've got a lot of really old furniture in this house, but just the way it's shot and um, the car and the costumes and yeah, just little costume and furniture touches that kind of really place it in the 70s. Like The Brood is an amazing film for lots of reasons, but the furniture in that, oh my goodness. I feel like I'm shopping when I watch that film. <laughs> I would definitely have that side table and that chair. Oh my gosh, that wallpaper is amazing. <laughs> in the um, the director's commentary, it's uh, the director and the screenplay writer and Karen Black on the uh, commentary. <laughs> and they're, they're all doing all these technical conversations about the compositions of the scene. And then Karen will just chip in every now and then with, that is a lovely table. I just, where, where did you get that table from? Was that table in the house? And then the director's like, I, I don't know. I, th I think the set people got this. It's just, it just, it sets off the scene so well. And she just no, keeps uh, jumping in with these little comments. And I'm like, oh, I want to hear more about Karen's furniture thoughts. That's basically how I watch every film. <laughs> is, yeah, is an analysis of the furniture. Okay, so we will be looking at uh, lots of different categories, as always with every episode. Sex and nudity, acting, gore and violence, WTF moments, writing and special effects. And then giving you our overall rating, talking about our favourite scenes, favourite characters. You know, the, you know the drill by now. So yeah, well, let's work our way through. So sex and nudity in Burnt Offerings, it's quite minimal but quite sinister in most in most cases yeah there's a lot of topless read if you want to see oh yeah ollie reed uh not wearing very much and sweating then this is you know this is the film for you doing some intensive gardening i get the sense that, that those sh shots weren't necessarily in the script so you just in between takes on his lunch break just started hacking <laughs> hacking wood and branches <laughs> Are we getting this? Are we getting this? Yeah, and then there's that really, the bit where he just grabs her boob in bed in that really casual sort of... That's my first note. Tit grab when they're talking about the house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, again, I'm not sure. That could have been an improvised tit grab. I'm going to put it out there. She didn't look shocked though, but again, she's with Oliver Reed, so I guess you yes. wouldn't really be sort of primed for that kind of behaviour. But, you know, it starts quite tame. Yeah, easy, easy way in with a tit grab, as is, you know... <laughs> It's a That's valuable what life said lesson. All the time, yeah. <laughs> I've put that again. He's he. There's a lot of ass slapping going on. A lot of there just sort is. of casual. Even like he slaps Betty Davis's ass at one point. <laughs> he does, which is a bold move. <laughs> Almost as if I that was a bet. Like that. I'm going to. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I reckon. I reckon, lads, that I can. I, I reckon I'll slap Betty Davis's ass. Yeah. So that's <laughs> in there. It's a very good Ollie Reed. Very Thank good. you. Well, I'm channeling him by drinking my M&S passion fruit martini in a can. That is, I feel, what he would have wanted. But yeah, so there's so there's lots of incidental nudity. But but yeah, what were your thoughts on it overall? Well, it was there's, there's the really awkward 
I don't know, what then would have been called probably a seduction scene and now is like an almost rape scene. Yes. But it's not... What's interesting about it, well, obviously there is no rape. And what's really interesting is that, and I don't normally say this with scenes like this in films because a lot of the time it is gratuitous and doesn't need to be there. But with this, Mm. it really serves the relationship and you get to learn a lot about who they both are in that exchange that they have. Yeah, and that, and also, and also, it it's sort of is that them or is that the house? You know, yeah, the juxtaposition of the struggle between them and the struggle between the house and them, and the what what's going on in the in the uh, in the scene. So it's um unsettling and and tense and uh, unpleasant. Oh, I could have solved that though, and I don't want to be the relationship therapist stepping in mid scene. <laughs> what happens is they're there and lying on the grass, and she notices that the top light in the house is on Hmm. which is where mrs allardyce where her room is and i imagine that she imagines that mrs allardyce is looking down on them in the garden and she freaks out and says no not now and he's like okay fine but in that moment he's already been emasculated and that rejection just sort of piles it on top. All she had to say was, babe, I think Miss Allardyce is, you know, watching us from the window. And he would have been like, okay, cool, fine, let's take this indoors. But she didn't. And she yeah. just had to say that. And then yeah. I think that would have solved a lot of the relationship problems later, instead of him feeling like his wife didn't love him anymore. Yes. And then he has that thing. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be brilliant after 13 years, but um, it could be <laughs> some semblance of whatever he says. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, and we'll come to violence and and stuff but there's a lot of sinister uh relationship stuff in terms of the husband and wife in terms of the son and father in terms of the whole family so it makes sense but it's quite um unexpected at that point i would say is that after they're doing the naked pool swimming stuff it is yes yeah so you kind of have that almost sexy pool scene karen black was four months pregnant when filming this so so they had to um so they had to kind of shoot her from like ankles and bum and try and uh, they had a stunt woman dive in and they had to kind of try and conceal the fact that she was pregnant but uh, apparently did you listen to the uh, audio commentary or have you heard the audio commentary i haven't no you haven't no so so apparently that in that pool scene where Oliver Reed and Karen Black are, are in the pool and they sort of keep turning around, doing like a weird sort of turning thing. That was because Oliver Reed wanted to have his face on camera at all times and he kept <laughs> he kept trying to turn Karen Black round. It looks like it's some weird choreograph, like sexy, oh, we're gonna turn around in the water, but he was just wanted to be on camera. That's hilarious yeah. and completely believable. Yeah, and Karen was like, Oh, there, there there I go, there I go, trying to get get on camera. No, he was he was always a funny thing. He kept trying to turn around and Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, so there's no there's no sex, is there? There's no sex no. in the film. It's kind of died, hasn't it? In yeah. I think there's a real sense of that relationship being fairly dead quite quickly. Um, I think quite like The Shining as well, because they're basically the same film or the same story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the even sl- down to the typewriter. Yes, yeah. Which is like, I made this room for you to write. <laughs> yeah. The synopsis I read before doesn't really give away much other than it, it's a haunted house film. Family move into a house. Essentially, they move into the house and then the house consumes them by you know, turning them against each other and driving them mad, mainly taking over the mother played by Karen Black. Well, it's interesting because it's I, the house sort of seems to feed off people by turning the, it like turning them into really sort of ultra conservative stereotypes. Mm. Like the woman becomes more 
motherly and more domestic like the, the mother of the house becomes more domestic and yes. the grandma becomes more like a grandma you know betty davis goes from being sorry the aunt um goes from being this really um you know vital vivacious woman to this elderly yeah, woman yeah, yeah. who can't get out of bed and then oliver reed becomes this sort of hyper masculine assertive quite violent man yeah and the child becomes more vulnerable yeah, yeah, yeah. And the house just seems to be pushing them all to these extremes and then um, ju- yes. does away with them <laughs> once they're spent. That sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of The Haunting of Hill House, actually, the TV series, in yeah. the sense that, the you know, the the mum is turned against the, the family and then, you know, the, the dad and kids are trying to escape from all of the paranoia and everything that's going on um so it might yeah. be a little bit of that yeah so good furniture as well in that good furniture yeah yeah you're halfway to a good film if you <laughs> put in a nice table exactly yeah so i've not i've not had a huge amount to say on the sex and nudity i found the the, the kind of comical us slapping was just i was just trying to work out what the acting process was there and i was just gone that's probably just that's probably just oliver reed i think he's an ass slapper that's probably <laughs> So I, when I said that, that was my Oliver Reed impression, but it's far too loud uh, for Oliver Reed because everything he does is very quiet. Yes, yes. I've just gone 2.5 for sex nudity out of five. I went for two. Two, yeah. I I added the 0.5 because I thought the swimming pool and garden scene were just intense and quite unsettling. And I thought they used that in a in an uncomfortable, effective way. But the rest of it is is very minimal and yeah not not a huge amount to say yeah 2.5 out of 5 for me but oh boy there was a lot to say about acting in this film there's a lot of greats there's some amazing incidental characters so the main cast we've got Karen Black playing Marianne Rolf Oliver Reed playing Ben Rolf Burgess Meredith playing Arnold Allardyce Eileen is it Eckhart Eckhart, yeah. Eckhart, playing Roz Allardyce, uh, Lee Montgomery playing David or Davy Rolf, the child, and Betty Davis, of course, playing Aunt Elizabeth, and freakishly freaky Anthony James playing the chauffeur. So what did you think of the uh, the casting overall, and the acting overall? It was just perfect, and I thought <laughs> the acting was incredible, and they did that sort of, you know, classic movie thing of where you decide you know are your central characters the wacky one or is it the people orbiting them you know and you have to sort of decide which way around that is and the family are very so real their dynamics Mm. and their acting is so real and then you have these people (laughs) (laughs) are in the house and they all look like they've been sort of drafted in from like they're the best ones in the amdram group don't get me wrong but they've all been drafted in from the local amateur dramatic society and (laughs) it is like a kind of murder mystery i can imagine this being a play actually with the with the set and then the the stock characters and then the, the the crazy family that live in the house but yeah the uh the caretaker just stands out so much as just being like, oh yeah oh you're here to see the family oh okay oh come in i'll go i'll go, I'll go get them um. i read this out. yeah because that's that first thing yeah he says um uh, i'm the handyman i keep everything spick and span and i was like <laughs> i really hope he rhymes everything for the rest <laughs> yeah. of the film unfortunately he doesn't but yeah he's amazing yeah he's got such sass about him yeah ain't the only thing that's cracked around here <laughs> when he takes, <laughs> yeah. takes the mirror, broken the mirror, mirror. Old bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
<laughs> so funny. Very jarring to the rest of the film, but it's uh, very enjoyable. When he says old bastard, is he talking about brother, the brother Arnold? No, I think he's talking about the... the just the mirror. No, the woman. Oh, oh the woman. Oh, right. Oh, that's... Oh, okay. Roz, yeah. Roz, Because yeah. she says, oh, take the mirror out, and then she's an old fool, and then he goes, old bastard. Old bastard. <laughs> so mean. Yeah, but, you know, hey. So mean. He survived the, the house. He's uh, immune to the house's powers. Yeah. Which is interesting because he's not in the family. Like, he's, I guess they need someone to, but yeah, that, that's a bit of a plot Someone's hole. Someone's got to maybe. put the bins out, haven't they? That's true. That's true. The house probably is just like, you can stay because you manage the recycling. So that's fine. The brother is amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this character, Arnold, the brother, is he's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And I just imagined that that wasn't in the script. And the actor just walked in one day and went, I believe my character <laughs> would be in a wheelchair. It's like, why? Yeah. It's like, I just think he would be. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> sure. Just, you know, where there's no, if you can't think of a character, just, you know, get, a, get some sort of prop or vehicle or, you know, give them something aesthetic to, to, um, <laughs> to distract from the lack of acting happening. Yeah, I can just imagine him being in one of those old over-the-top Hammer film just as like a mad scientist or as like a housekeeper or something because he's everything he says is just so over the top and so pulls a pulls a face and like oh you've got a boy yeah it's like it's, you're not in a carry-on film like <laughs> oh i like oh, yes. them ross i like them <laughs> oh yeah i love that show me the boy yeah. when he gets wheeled to the window by his yeah. sister oh, what is he about eight or nine yeah and then he falls <laughs> off like the gazebo that he's playing on and he ignores it well he doesn't ignore it he sees the boy fall and hurt himself yeah. smiles and then distracts anyone from helping him yeah. <laughs> like, doesn't say anything it's perfect yeah he's he's great i mean i think everyone is so good at their part in this film and then we've got the the lego head child davy yes who Aww. you know looks like he could be 10 or 45 with his own accounting firm yeah it's hard to know it depends on the angle and lighting doesn't it yeah and flares <laughs> of course of course i mean it is over the top all the characterizations are very accentuated but it fits the the plot of you know old school haunted house film uh supernatural horror it's really good it's great, yeah. They just sort of like this relatively normal, slightly strained family just get dumped in this sort of fantasy horror land. Mm. It's perfect. Okay, so let's go through the let's go through the cast and and say a few thoughts on what we thought of each one. So, Karen Black as Marion, such a striking is the word I would say for how Karen Black looks on camera. Yeah. She is other otherworldly. <laughs> so many. Yeah intense eyes amazing hair cheekbones just her whole face is full of character yeah you can't really look at anyone else when she's on screen and you know and she's got betty davis standing next to her and you're still like i don't know who to look at it's so (laughs) it's a face off and it makes sense that that's how she looks and that she is intense when you know we get to the end of the film and it's just (laughs) horrific she's turned into this kind of monster i really enjoy the um the journey of karen black's hair in this yes. film it starts very big and free and then as the house takes over it becomes quite conservative she gets a bun at one point and then at the end when she realizes you know that she should probably look after her son and not the house the hair goes big again yeah. and her hair is free and it's like yay <laughs> a woman who changes her hair is about to change her life that's what they say <laughs> isn't it and karen black shows that in this movie i wasn't aware of her 
before this film, which has been in um, been in a lot of stuff. Had you seen her in anything else? Well, she did the the anthology trilogy, mm, yeah, which is another Curtis film. Yes, yeah, I think written by the guy he co-wrote this film with. Oh, okay, she's the main character in all three of those stories. Which is in Family Plot as well, the Hitchcock film. I've and not in, seen that. No, I've not. In the commentary, she just kept bringing up Hitchcock's way of making films. And uh, Dan Curtis was just like, oh, yes, well, yes, Hitchcock does this. Yes, yes, well, he's very famous for doing that. Anyway, in this shot, I decided to shoot it from <laughs> <laughs> from under underneath. Well, when I was working with Hitchcock, <laughs> oh, <laughs> look at that bureau. <laughs> <laughs> she was also in House of a Thousand Corpses, the Rob Zombie film. Yes. She's had quite a career diverse yeah i thought she was very striking and yeah really commits and um bits you know over the top ridiculous in places but nonetheless it completely suits the uh, the style of the film see i always find her really believable because she has such a because her face is so i don't want to say over the top <laughs> but because <laughs> her, her the top features face. all of her yeah, features are prominent. so prominent yes yes let's put it that way all of her features <laughs> are so prominent that she still feels genuine and believable yeah. because that's just her face. Like, that's just yeah. how it is. And scary. Like, I was genuinely scared <laughs> by her. I sort of get her motivation. The whole thing with the conservatory and the plants, you know, when she's yes. going around at the beginning going, what a waste. And then all the plants come back to life again. I was there for her in that moment because I feel the same about my plants. <laughs> I would happily sacrifice my aunt if it meant that... <laughs> My plants could have a good life. Well, so, okay, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have that now. frame of reference, so I'll, I'll take your word on that one. <laughs> so then we move on to Oliver Reed. Extraordinary performance, extraordinary man. <laughs> lot of shaking, lot of shaking jowls, a lot of trembling. He's genuinely very quite intense. worried for his health at one point. Very, very, very intense dialogue, just very quiet. I've always imagined, what, what must it be like? Because I, I sort of had this a bit when... I was at drama school. I remember, you know, we were always told to not speak too loudly when we were doing camera stuff. Hmm. And they'd be in a scene with someone and then they would talk, but they'd be talking so quietly and they'd be a bit too far away and just be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Did you say it? And I feel like that's what acting with Oliver Reed must have been like. You spend a lot of time going, did you? Oh, you've said it. Okay, cool. Uh, Because it's so quiet and so intense. Every, everything is well clipped and every every single word is absolutely clear, uh, which makes it sinister as well. The fact that he's so like everything's so pronounced. That scene where he sat almost sort of like a chimp on the lawn when he sees the chauffeur at sort of, I yeah. thought he was an undertaker, but his acting in that scene is incredible. He genuinely looks so, like how he's able to look so terrified and so strong and brutal at the same time. Yeah. Like he inhabits both of those effortlessly incredible performance yeah and you know that man can whip off a pair of glasses quicker than anyone i've anyone in the (laughs) industry i mean some some scenes he's wearing them you know mid sentence and then they're gone and then they're off then they're on then they're off again he doesn't even have them on a string does he no they just sort of you know he embodies the glasses and they just come to him when he's ready to see better yeah (laughs) at the beginning he plays a kind of playful jokey dad's character you know he feels quite soft and gentle and then when he slowly becomes taken over by the the paranoia and the possession of the house he gets really (laughs) genuinely was quite worried for the child that he was going to survive the the filming that scene i've watched it 
three times now and I can't breathe when I watch it. Like it in the swimming pool, it's so brutal. It's really hard to watch. Yeah, and it doesn't look particularly choreographed. He does no. the first, you know, he flips his son over the first few times, sort of playing in the pool and then he dunks him under the water and then it gradually starts to become more violent and then by the end he's literally just flipping him backwards and forwards and holding him underwater and doing all the intense Oliver Reed face acting and it genuinely is so violent. Drowning his son, yeah, yeah. it's horrible. It's just really horrific but beautifully done. Yeah, Really yeah, well yeah. performed. I wonder how the kid fear felt after it. Davy. Yeah, there was an interview with uh, Lee Montgomery who plays Davy, David, the son, and he said that he was very well looked after and he didn't didn't feel scared or anything. But then he also said that uh, Oliver Reed convinced Lee Montgomery's mum to let him have a small amount of wine. And then <laughs> his mum went to the toilet and came back and he'd had like a full glass of wine and was pissed. And um, Oh my goodness. And Lee Montgomery's mum punched Oliver Reed in the face. And uh, then he was like, oh, well, I, I I just gave the boy a drop of wine. And then, yeah, so. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he was perfectly safe being drowned in a pool. But then he got pissed with Oliver Reed and his entourage. So That's hilarious. But he said he had a lovely time nonetheless on the shoot. Of course. Of course he did. <laughs> but yeah, that whole scene is incredibly violent and um, intense. And it's the first moment where things really kick off in the in the film as well. So it's the first moment you see his capabilities. Yeah, you sort of get a bit of, not foreshadowing, but sort of you see that relationship or the small version of that relationship between him and his son just when they're standing on the doorstep at the beginning before the door of the house is even open. And then quite hard, Oliver Ree just twats his son around the back of the yeah. head really hard. He's just like, yeah. where did that come from? I wrote down, <laughs> I wrote down Oliver Reed slapping asses and heads. That's uh, That was one of my notes. <laughs> So we should have seen it coming, really. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what it leads to. Yeah, a lot of trembling, a lot of red-faced, intense stuff going on. The bit where he's play-acting with his son when they're in the sort of the family cemetery, which is just around the yeah, back. Yeah. And he goes, would you like some candy, little boy? <laughs> <laughs> I love how genuine that is and how it's kind of an actor doing bad dad acting. Yeah. Like, it, it feels authentic. It feels like a like a dad trying to act but it yeah. does come out of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> i've not seen him in a great deal of films to be honest i think he's amazing in the devils it's mm -hmm. the other main film i know him from probably and the brood it was just great to see him you know be let loose on a properly mad family drama i guess but yeah no, i thought he was brilliant apparently he didn't get on with betty davis at all i can imagine that <laughs> they all stayed together in a hotel and betty davis threatened to quit the production if he wasn't removed from it and they're like we can't remove him from the film he's oliver reed he's the lead part so they had to put them on separate floors because apparently he would get drunk and storm down the corridor every night and start singing and would dive onto betty davis's catering tray and just like <laughs> dive down the corridor <laughs> of the hotel i can imagine because they're quite similar energies i imagine that's the <laughs> conflict there they're actually the thing that they hate in the other is probably the thing that they see in themselves do you know what i mean they're yeah. both quite feisty feisty egos well it doesn't show in their acting no no they've done a very good job so let's move on to betty davis i mean you know legend of course oh she's so good I, I love her so much. 
Yeah, and, you know, she's got relatively small part, really. I mean, she doesn't have a great amount of dialogue. She spends the first 20 minutes just laughing. <laughs> yeah, she's so sassy. She's amazing. I just, like, there's that scene where she's there. She's just in a, this massive garden painting watercolours and just having yeah. the best retirement I've ever seen. <laughs> and the bit where she's blowing up the, is it like a, it's an inflatable goldfish or something? Yeah, or a lobster or some kind of... Yeah, she's just the sassiest, most beautiful, <laughs> brilliant person. Like, I will return to this film for many years to come. Yeah. And I think if only to kind of model myself on Betty Davis before <laughs> the house gets to her, that yes. is what I want for myself when I'm older. Yeah, You know, she doesn't go down without a fight against this house as well. No. I love it when she storms up the stairs to try and give her watercolour to to the lady in the attic. Oh, yeah, She's yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to show her this painting. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently she had her skin clipped back for when she was healthy. And then as she gets like older and deformed, they sort of let her face just sort of... Well, what? How? Have you seen Brazil, the Terry Gilliam film? Where there's a scene I've where not for years, but there's a scene where someone gets like a cling film pulled over their faces, like an instant facelift kind of thing. And uh, there's a scene in the uh, in the director's commentary. The director's just saying, "Yes, we have we sort of pinned back uh, Betty Davis's face, and she's got glycerin and stuff on the back of her head to, uh, and she started melting in the sun and all this kind of stuff." <laughs> You've done this makeshift facelift and sculpted her her face back to make her look kind of you know thin and uh, thin around the face and you know glowing skin. Amazing! And then she just looks like a sad grey caterpillar. Yeah, the third time round, I was just looking for like how her face is sculpted. Oh yeah, well I'm I'm gonna have to watch it again. <laughs> and the, the the great great child acting from from Davy. Yeah, wonderful. Really good turn, I thought. Lovely. Yeah. I didn't have much to say about him to be honest. I thought he played he played his part. Yeah. And he did it well. He got through the the pool scene. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this this film is my worst nightmare because I can't swim. So You can't swim. Can't swim. No. Really? Yeah. And the oh. thought of being, you know, pinned underwater on multiple occasions by a family member or something like that is just very harrowing. Yeah, terrifying. So this has tapped into my Tapped into my feet. shallow end, have a nice paddle. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the undertaker slash chauffeur character is just. Yeah. What is he an undertaker or a chauffeur? What's he listed as? He's listed as the chauffeur. Oh, the chauffeur then. But I think he is, you know, in uh, Oliver Reed's flashback and stuff. He's he's driving a hearse and he's, you know. That flashback, it's the memory of his mother's funeral, isn't it? That's what we keep flashing back to. The first time yes and he's the guy he was obviously there and this is the memory he has of this funeral yeah but then karen black comes up to oliver reed when he's all stressed out about the dream he's just had and he's and he's like it's coming back it's coming back and she says something along the lines of it was a long time ago it's different now or you're different now so Mm. what did he do (laughs) that's never revealed I just, I just assumed it was the uneasy presence of this figure that he didn't know at the funeral. That's what, yeah, that's what I thought. But there's something in the in what she says that it sounds like he had an act. He probably young Oliver Reed probably got shit faced and punched the chauffeur. That's probably what happened at his mother's funeral. Yeah. Even even in film world, Oliver Reed is still a drunk, just starting fights. Yeah, but I mean that the the guy who plays him is so scary. I mean, if they ever remake this film, Stephen Merchant's got a, a part waiting for him. Yes, <laughs> yeah, he'd be perfect, wouldn't he? 
Yeah, he's so like spindly and mm. yeah, just a terrifying presence. Teeth and the yeah. Ugh. So yeah, overall, I thought the acting was great. I gave it uh, four out of five. Oh, I gave it a solid five. Solid yeah. five. Whoa. Solid five. So good. Because you've got a bit of everything, haven't you? You have, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got the comedy stuff at the beginning with all the family and then the intensity of Karen and... Uh, Sweaty Oliver Reed. Yeah, Betty Davis. Betty Davis all grey and writhing around on a bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the fact that none of them got on with each other adds an extra element of frisson to the whole affair. So, you know what? I'm going to bump it up to 4.5. Yes. Okay, then we move on to gore and violence. What are your thoughts on this? The violence is just hellish because it feels so real. Yeah. More so than, you know, any of your standard horror films, I think. And, you know, if we go back to Demon Wind, which was oh, the last hey, film. Oh, yeah, that episode we watched, one. Yeah. Go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> None of that was really particularly affecting because it didn't feel real. Whereas no. with this... The, the violence and the threat feels very real. Like I said, and in that scene in the swimming pool, mm. uh, it's really difficult to watch. Yeah, the editing is really good as well. So the way it's all put together, it looks like it's one continuous scene that he's just, you yeah. know, he is being held underwater for that, that long and he is being slapped around over and over again. And the gore, there isn't really any gore. There's one moment of gore right oh, in the, ver- the, the very end scene when he's smashed through the windshield and his bloody face when the when the when the previously unseen man jumps out of the window (laughs) (laughs) well i obviously oliver reed's stunt double yes obviously but there is a moment like they are wearing the same clothes obviously but it's like literally who is that guy that's just been thrown out of the window and and then you go oh it's supposed to be oliver reed but they look so unlike (laughs) one another apparently was a famous stunt guy but he overshot the jump and if the crew hadn't have moved the mat back he would have been killed or he would have been paralyzed or something oh my goodness he had to dive through a tiny window which was too small to dive through and then he just overshot the uh the crash mat yeah so that that the (laughs) the look of fear on that the stunt man's face as he's like falling to uh, uh his death he was genuinely genuinely fearful yeah oh my goodness yeah so i mean there's a lot of a lot of stuff at play here. But yeah, so that's the only moment of gore, really, when uh, Oliver Reed's stunt double that poor kid. smashes through. Oh, yeah. And then the, you see bits of Oliver Reed's face just like fly at his son. He just gets splattered with, you know, bits of cheek. And you really feel that moment as well. Like, again, like the gore in this. And I don't want to do down Demon Wind anymore. <laughs> I genuinely did not think there'd be any comparisons to make, but I'm happy that I'm happy that there are some. In this one thing. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think less is more with gore is my motto, <laughs> or can be. Yeah. Um, and certainly in the case of this movie. The violence, as you said, feels very real. There's a lot of Ben Oliveries getting attacked by trees. That's, you know, quite graphic. Yes. Lots of angry vines. Yeah, all of a sudden we go to like Jumanji, <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> the last 10 minutes of the film and the vines come and wrap their arms, wrap their arms, wrap their, the vines wrap their tendrils around his legs <laughs> in order to, yeah. in order to do what though? Like, I well, what prevent him from from getting yes, back Chris, in the car. What are the vines' motivations <laughs> to stop him? To keep him there? Yeah, it just seems a bit slapdash. I'm not not sold. The scene where he's just ramming <coughs> ramming the car backwards and forwards into the tree is quite intense, mm. and just looks like he is genuinely just smashing a car up. It yeah. doesn't look like any stunt work went on there. That's true. Betty Davis's you know death scenes are quite horrific. They're quite violent. Yeah, that's true. What's yeah? What's really interesting? Um, like with that scene 
particularly, this is sort of tangential, not maybe to move away from gore very briefly, is what I love about this film is that the supernatural until sort of the very end you could say isn't really present and you know if you got if you got a skeptic in the house they'd be like i can explain all of these things away mm. like the supernatural presence it, it's so psychological and it could be because even the you know the chauffeur character who shows up that could all be in his head mm-hmm. yeah. um, and the first time that you think oh maybe this is actually happening is in that scene where it's Oliver Reed and Betty Davis and Betty Davis is dying and you get the sense that she can hear the car and she can sense the chauffeur then that she can see him Mm. but can she see him or is she just having a horrible violent death right now and she's terrified because of that not because of the caretaker she's sort of looking in that direction but you still don't know and I really like that about this film but you know the Jumanji tendrils um, sort of (laughs) take away seal from the deal and, yeah yeah with the supernatural <laughs> but but until that point yeah i agree it's very psychological when a lot of the violence is sort of the slow decline of these characters and what it's doing to their mental health and how they're you know turning on each other and i think the only overtly violent scene is that is the pool scene yeah and then the the final stunt dive of course is uh pretty grim i've gone four out of five for gore and violence yes same mm, nice there's not much of it, but it's very well done when it is there. Yeah, so. agreed. Okay, then we move on to WTF moments. I've not written a great deal for this because it all kind of makes sense. There are a few moments, but uh, interested to hear what you think. Uh, yeah, everything has a reason, and that's beautiful. I think, oh God, I don't want to speak about Demon Wind again. <laughs> you do, Carrie, you do. Do you remember? I really do. Everything, <laughs> all roads lead back to Demon Wind. My favourite what the fuck moment, quite close to the beginning, and it's when Davy walks into the pantry, and this is just before they fade away to something else. But he he goes, "Hey, I think I see some ding dongs, a whole <laughs> case of ding dongs." <laughs> but then we don't see what the ding dongs are. What it just then it it shows the shot of the previously not working bulb, then and the bulb yes. is now working, and then it fades from that because obviously you know the house is getting its life back, and that's mm. why the bulb works again. And I was just sitting there going, yeah, but what's a ding dong? <laughs> I think it's a food item. Is it one of those things that America, like Americans have like a normal a thing something. for? Yeah, which again sounds... Yeah, lots of <laughs> knob-like food stuff. Yeah, exactly. In the UK, they just sound rude. Yeah. A whole case of ding dongs. That's the real horror of the house. <laughs> like no one speaks about that. <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot about that moment. But yes, good, good shout. I well, I mean, just the the whole Undertaker chauffeur scenes, just that character in general was quite unsettling and surprising. And just the the intro to all of the house characters, like I loved the um, you know the first thing you see of the house is the you know our friend the caretaker, like oh you here to see yeah. the house, and that was I, I was like spick oh. and span. So at that point, I thought maybe the whole film was going to be this really over-the-top, silly, you know, spoofy, bad, horror, haunted house film. But actually, you know, when all that's out of the way, it gets proper scary and serious. Yeah, it's amazing. Which I guess is good in a way because it, you know, throws you off the scent. Yeah, so I didn't have much to say because I I thought it, you know, overall all made sense. It was all effective. Oh, one thing. It's just not, is it a what the fuck moment? 
when I first saw it, I was like, what the fuck? So it is. (laughs) But it makes sense. (laughs) But it makes sense within the movie. I just love the moment when Oliver Reed is trying to explain to his son that the house is shedding its skin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of... Yeah, it's basically shedding its skin and this whole new layer of house is appearing (laughs) underneath it. And just him trying to (laughs) communicate to his son that that's why they have to leave and failing terribly at it. Because how do you say, (laughs) right, the house is shedding its skin and it's building a whole, there's a whole new house underneath that skin. So we have to leave. Yeah. And then the, the, yeah, the scenes are just panels just flying off the you know, someone's obviously yanking, like, or like prodding yeah. a bit of uh, cladding with a broom or something on the other and side. And there's more panels underneath, yeah. shiny new panels. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, but again, it makes sense within the context of the film. So it's not WTF moment. I've been fairly under generous on this one. I've just said two out of five because there isn't a great deal and nothing was like, what is happening? 2.5. 2.5, okay. 2.5, yeah. All right, then we move on to writing the script, the structure of burnt offerings. What did you What did you think? I love it. I love how it takes its time. I love the pacing of it. I think it's yeah, I think it's perfect. And normally, I have a hard and fast rule with films, particularly horror. It's like ninety minutes. I'll let you have a hundred minutes, okay? Generally, but yeah. then after that, I lose interest. Like you've <laughs> really got to earn that yeah. extra time. Mm, yeah, and I feel like this film does. Like, I'm happy to sit down for two hours and watch this movie. Whereas normally, like, hour and a half and I'm done with horror. It's the longest film that I've covered thus far. And it's even longer than The Holy Mountain, amazingly, by four minutes. Is it? Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. The Holy Mountain feels longer, but I guess because there's there's so much more information. Like, your retinas are assaulted. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I I agree. It doesn't, definitely doesn't feel overly long. And uh, it's very well structured, I think. And there's some cracking throwaway comedy lines as well. <laughs> when Oliver Reed just uh, looks at his wife when she doesn't have a swimsuit and says, well, then why don't you take your clothes off? <laughs> just yeah. like a do, you think, do you think that was in the script or do you think that was just Oliver Reed? Just... Yeah, that was just their lunch break and it just happened to be filming. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to read the book, actually, that it's based on. I think that would be great. What I love is that um, The Shining, the book, came out the following year. Oh, okay. Stephen King. Oh, interesting. It's generally accepted that The Shining is based on the book or was inspired by the book Burnt Offerings. Oh, okay. But I just love the coincidence of the film, sorry, the book coming out after the film of Burnt Offerings and it came out the following year. Because hmm. we know that Stephen King writes very quickly. Yeah. That's one thing he does do. That's why mm. he's managed to get so many books out. Yeah, apparently the book doesn't have an ending. Like it just sort of, well, it does have an ending, but it doesn't end in the way that the film does. So the the only way the director wanted to come on board was if he could get a, an ending like properly written. So it was it had a satisfying conclusion, which it does. I'm going to say something controversial. Oh, please. Now, I'd like to start by saying I love The Shining. I can see The Shining yes. poster behind you. Uh, <laughs> yes. I... I went to the Kubrick Hang exhibition on, let me just, twice. I mean, let's, I let me just have another fan. sip of my uh, of my martini. Yes, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Kubrick, and I mm-hmm. think again the design in The Shining, lovely furniture, good carpets, beautiful design in The Shining. However, I would say for story and character, I think Burnt Offerings is the superior film. I think it's a better film. 
than The Shining. I know. Okay, that's a, not it. only a hot take, okay, I need I to open a window <laughs> because I'm sweating from the heat of that take. And I love The Shining. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I really do. But one thing, it's interesting because how you remember things is always, you know, very different. That gap between your memory of something and how something actually is is usually quite large. And I, yeah. I remember having watched The Shining when I was younger and I returned to it maybe, I don't know, five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. And... Jack turns so quickly oh, yeah. in that film. And in my head, it's incremental. Mm. Like my memory of it is it's a slow burn and you see him change, whereas it's almost too quick in the film. And it's just yeah. like, I, I like evil when it's motivated. I don't like evil for evil's sake. Mm. Whereas with burnt offerings, you see it and you feel it mm. and you feel that descent into madness and you see his struggle with that madness. Yep. Like the scene in the pool when he's paralyzed and he can't save his son is absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. And to see that struggle between him doing something really monumentally evil mm. and being helpless in the face of that is far yeah. more interesting than as, as aesthetically pleasing as Jack Nicholson running around a maze with an axe when it's snowing is. Yes. I would say that Burnt Offerings is a far more interesting offering. You make a very strong case. <laughs> <laughs> However, you're wrong. However. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel, yes, yes, there, there are points that you have made. I, I, I take them on board. I'm going to get you a nice little Burnt Offerings poster for next <laughs> yeah, to, to put up next shining year. poster. See which one yeah. falls down by itself first and see which one has the most power. Yeah, I mean, The Shining is one of my favourite films. So, but, you know, yeah, I, I did really enjoy um, Burnt Offerings. And I, I agree that the structure is, um, you know, maybe better and the development of the characters and stuff. But just for sheer wow, horror and intensity. And um, uh, I f- feel The Shining wins on that respect. But... Shining hasn't got that lovely table that Karen Black liked, it though. Doesn't. She said it really pulled the scene together. no. <laughs> so yeah I don't know okay. unfortunately jury, we don't, we don't have time to, to add furniture as a subtopic <laughs> but um, <laughs> I particularly enjoyed Davy saying I don't want a goblet I want a glass when oh, uh, yeah. when his mum says well you can drink it out of a goblet like imagine how sport you have to be that you refuse to drink out of a goblet <laughs> oh and also when Oliver Reed says a little water sport. It's it's very good for the circulation, you know. Oh yeah. Did water sport mean something different in the seventies? <laughs> because you know she's naked in a pool, and they're um, you know, yes. I I really hope it did. <laughs> yeah, I thought the script was great. I thought the structure was great. I gave it four out of five. Uh, yes, I four point five. Four point five. Okay. Well, there's extra half points. Okay. I love this film. Uh, <laughs> And then we move on to our final category, special effects. I mean, you know, a limited a limited section perhaps, a bit of an anticlimax, but thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> um, literally, the first thing I've written is, does furniture count as special effects? <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm obsessed with furniture. The bed, Davy's bed, sorry, just, uh, okay, okay. you know, that, yeah. that the bamboo dream of Davy's bed. Just go back, watch it again. It's amazing. Uh, special effects, the Jumanji plants. The Jumanji plants, yeah. they're good. Yeah. They, they're they really good. Like when it happens, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently they just played that scene in reverse. That's how they did it. But, you know, a little oh. peek behind the magic curtain. <laughs> oh, shame. <laughs> and then the the wavy pool, when when the pool tries to drown Davy. 
yes. with its waves. Yes, that, that was, was um, that was, that was fine. some crew with uh, some wave sheets. Apparently, all all of the uh, all of the magic was ruined, and the uh, thing was that we had about three guys just wafting the uh, wafting the pool. Yeah, well, they did it very well, and then the house shedding its skin, I, which I think that is was... I think is a beautiful image and it's a beautiful idea, and they did it very very well. Hmm. And special effects, I suppose. Um, pinning back betty davis's face which i didn't even notice <laughs> yeah i need um, to really listen to that commentary to get exactly what because <laughs> i may be being really slanderous here but um they definitely mentioned pinning back her face at some point yes that's the most special of yeah. effects definitely i mean i've put the the uh, rain machine in you know every outdoor scene they've yeah you know, they've, that's they've true. paid for that rain machine they're committed get your money's worth Absolutely. Yeah, I put house tiles falling and replenishing, vines around Oliver Reed. I mean, the building collapsing at the end, the whole chimney collapsed. That was a special effect. You can see the wires, though, if you watch it in detail. You can see the wires pinging off. You can see the wires on the um, clocks as well. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the, you know, Blu-ray, unfortunately. Yeah. Just want everything to be fuzzy again. (laughs) Get the magic back. Yeah, I'm sure everyone that was in a 70s film as well was just like, oh, God. How they can see, can see everything. I was 60 when I played that ingenue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so special effects are limited, but effective, I think. Like nothing looks shonky, nothing that's shoddy. It all looks, you know, No, it's all very good. And it's all sort of, well, until, you know, the house is shedding its skin and everything. Those are the moments when you kind of go, oh, okay, maybe something supernatural is happening. Mm. But it still feels, I don't know. It's all stuff that could happen. Yeah, or you could hallucinate. Or, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, no, yeah, like the things falling off the house, that could happen. There's yeah. been a lot of rain and a lot of heat that could mess with the, the wood slatting on the house. And then yeah. I don't know why I'm trying to I feel like I'm trying to talk <laughs> Oliver Reed into staying at the house. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. I, what did I give it? Let me have a look. Four. Four. I've gone yeah. two. Really? I've gone two. Just because I, well... It's maybe, because you peeked behind the curtain. Yeah, it's because, I yeah, now I know that, you know, the only thing that was actually a special effect, they, they constructed the chimney themselves, that wasn't on the house, so they built that and they pulled it down and that was quite effective. And the stunt dive was, you know, the smashing through the thing, that was a good effect. Maybe not the dive. <laughs> it depends on what you're looking for, though, in a special effect. Are you mm. looking for the wow factor or are you looking for something that serves the story? Yeah, I guess maybe it could have had a bit more of the supernatural stuff. Crazier with the stuff, you know, falling down and exploding. It was quite minimal. But then, like you said, it also looks believable. So maybe I'll go three. Maybe I will. Again, again, you've taught me into into a higher score. Like a burnt offering sales lady. I know, right? That's me. Okay, then we come on to overall rating for the film. What is your final thought on the film? 4.5 out of 5. Nice. I refuse to be talked into a high score. I've gone four. That's fine. To be honest, I didn't. When you said, like, you have to watch this film, it's great. I want to talk about it. I, you know, assumed it would be dodgy and, you know, just not very well put together and acted and stuff. But it's just, it's really good. It's a solid film. I'm really, I'm really sorry I made you watch a good film. I'm sorry. No, I I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a nice relief from everything else I've been watching recently. (laughs) I was like, oh, hello. People can, can act and structure and well-placed cameras and stuff enjoyable scary i found it very scary and intense prizing good cast just to say the only reason i didn't give it a five is because there's only one five five star film out there and that is jurassic park okay that's the Hmm. only reason it didn't get a five (laughs) 
Because it would have otherwise. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jurassic Park is amazing. It's the only five-star film. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> we'll come back to debate that in a, <laughs> in a later special. Yeah. Oh, what's your favorite scene in the film? Oh, that is... Um, I really... I love Betty Davis's death scene. Yeah. I think it's so intense and it's done so... It's either that or reluctantly the swimming pool scene with the sun one of those scenes i think they're both done so well yes i i've gone for pool scene it's really horrific it's really violent it was unexpected and also it just you know really sets up what the rest of the film is going to be about but on the other end of the scale the intro to all the mad people that own the house was a lot of fun uh, as well so for comedy and for the fact that i thought that was what the film was going to be i loved that scene and then the pool scene for actual proper good filmmaking and i thought the ending was effective as well i really didn't want them to go back into the house so what do you do it's the ultimate it's don't go back into the house film it's like what are you doing don't do, yeah. the woman has never spoken to you why are you going back why no fucker but then it makes sense <laughs> because <laughs> what's great is it does kind of make sense because a lot of as we said before the supernatural stuff could be explained away when she says to him look don't be silly everything's fine you can kind of go oh maybe you would believe that because maybe you would believe that everything you'd seen so far was sort of in your head or could yeah. be explained away and now we're going back to our sensible lives to be sensible people. I can just do this sensible, kind thing. Ah, oh, big mistake. Huge. Massive, turned yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. But a, a stuntman got thrown out of a window I know. because of that I mistake. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're, I mean, I found the ending genuinely really scary and horrible and hor screeching music and horrible close-up of Karen Black's intense, prominent features. Very unsettling. It was marvellous. Who's your favourite character? That's really hard. Who's my Who's my favourite character? I would have to say it's the house. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Mind blown. Oh, yeah, it's got to be Aunt Elizabeth. Yes. Yeah. Because she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, the house is a good one. And yeah, um, I just love her at the beginning as well, where she just, all she does is laughs and smokes. And then she... <laughs> Get, you know, just comes along for a lovely little holiday and then uh, uh, summer is ruined and she is killed. Yes. Nothing ruins a summer more than death. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're an and entire family. And then I die. Yeah. Yeah, I went for The Undertaker just because I really want to see him have a spin-off movie with Stephen Merchant. Oh, yeah. What is The Undertaker up to now? The chauffeur. And yeah, it's just very unsettling. And I think, you know, it's a good, a good solid horror character. Well... Do you know what time it is, Carrie? Is it? Is it? I'm going to be tested on whether or not I did my homework. Correct. Otherwise, no, no. It's quiz time. <laughs> it's, it's quiz, quiz. time. <laughs> so, five questions each on burnt offerings. Do you want to ask first or do you want to answer first? I think... I asked first last time, so I will answer first this time. Okay. Every time I try and come up with harder questions and I realise they are all pretty easy. <laughs> Let's see. Question one. What date do the Rolf family take the house from? Uh, first of July. Correct. Was well, the first, first, yeah, first week of July to, to Labour Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, I refuse to give bonus points, but yep. First of July <laughs> is correct. Question two. How does Davy fix the water pump for the pool? Oh, I don't know. Ooh. Does he just kick it? Does he just no. tat it? 
No, I can only take your first answer. Yeah, he shows his dad where the cutoff switch is. And he oh, pushes the right. cutoff switch and the pump goes and it's a beautiful bonding moment is between father and son. There? Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, You think that's uh, you think that's gonna work? Yes, that was a long way of me saying incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Question three. What distracts Marianne when Ben is attempting to seduce her on the front lawn? Oh, Mrs. Allardyce's bedroom light is on. Very yeah. much correct. Yes. Well done. Question four. How old is Mrs. Allardyce? Uh, she's 85, but she could pass for 60. <laughs> God damn it. That is also the correct answer. And for the toaster, question five. <laughs> what colour jacket is the doctor wearing when he comes to inspect Ben? Um, I don't know. Is it blue? It's not blue. What kind of doctors are you hanging around with that wear blue jackets? Unbelievable. It's brown. (laughs) It's 70s shitty brown. Oh, yes. It's a brown brown. jacket that, you know, key scene where the doctor comes in and says, well, imagine he'll need to go in somewhere else and I'm not an expert. (laughs) Yes, it was brown. So you got three out of five. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. bad. Let's see if I can beat three. Okay. Question number one. Who does Marion say she takes after in her family. Ooh. Hmm. I can give you a sort of little... It's when she's talking about her grey hair. Oh, um, her great aunt? I'm looking for, looking for a name. A, for a name. name? Oh, for fuck's um, <laughs> <laughs> Great aunt Linda. I mean, that's, that's fine, but it's not right. Okay. Okay. It's Aunt Mary. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. It's heading in the right direction. And I was going to give you a bonus question there. It was like, and when did she go grey by? Because she goes, my Aunt Mary, she had a full head of grey hair by the time she was 33. Damn it. But, so so you, you lost out twice there. Okay. Okay. That's, <laughs> I, that's fine. I can deal with that. Aunt Mary. God damn it. What's the cutesy pet name that Aunt Elizabeth calls Oliver Reed's character? Uh, Benji. Yes. <laughs> One point. How long do they have the house for? Oh, well, when is Labor Day? They have it from July to Labor Day. Is that an acceptable answer? I'm going to well, say yeah. where, uh, it's suppose, for the summer. The... So July, uh, three months. Well, July no. to September. Yeah, it's two months. Yeah. July to August. Labor Day August. is the first Monday of September. Of September. July, so August, September. Let, I'm going to let you Yeah, that. July to September is my answer. Yeah. I'm going to let you have it. Yeah, <laughs> I like fine. the fact you, you guided my answer as I was saying it. But... <laughs> I mean, I remembered the Labor Day thing, and that's, as we all know, it's in that, that date that you just mentioned. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Where does Marion say all of the keys to the clocks are? In the clocks. They're in the clock, like, chests, or yes, they're in the clocks. Correct. <laughs> okay, and final question. What does Davy pour into the silver goblet? Oh, it's like a bottle of Fanta or Sprite or something. It's a bottle of fizzy drink. It's Coke. Is it? Yeah. Mm, it's a Coke. Yeah. Pours a Coke into a silver goblet. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you have it. You got. I've got two bonus questions for you as well. But okay. You've got four points, so you've already won. But do you want to do That's them? That's good. Yes, I will take the bonus question. Because I, I love a bonus question. Okay. <laughs> sing the song the music box plays. Oh God, it's going to be haunting, and I'm sure if I sing it, <laughs> a curse will bef- be befall upon me. You can just edit. I realise you can just edit this in post. Like, you could make yourself the winner. Yeah, but what can I say? I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. (laughs) And you're going to come back and do some other episodes. So, you know, I've got to be... You're going to listen to it back. You've got to be be fair. (laughs) 
I don't know. How does it go? I can't remember either. <laughs> no, I just I just okay. wondered if you could. I know no. here. Okay, and my next bonus question is, would you like some candy, little boy? <laughs> uh, run into the woods, run into the woods, run away. No, no, I would Correct not. Correct answer. <laughs> Yay! Yes, I won a quiz. I feel happy and content and I can stop the How podcast. How many have you won? I'm interested. I How think many have you won so far? So, hmm, this is episode seven. Think of one two or three maybe three including this one nice congratulations yeah i mean uh, people that listen to this will be able to say that's absolutely incorrect but i'm sure i'm sure at least two (laughs) possibly three so it's been a lovely it's been a lovely chat about uh, burnt offerings thank you very much how would you sell uh, burnt offerings to a potential viewer if they were you know if you what would be your selling points for people watching this film it's like the shining but better (sighs) i mean that's it's a bold statement, but okay, okay. For the sheer Oliver reads in it. <laughs> for the sheer balls of the statement, you must all go and watch it <laughs> and see if that is indeed correct. And do you have any other film recommendations that people should go and uh, seek out at the moment? Go watch Night of a Thousand Cats. No, don't watch that. It really wasn't very good at all. I would just recommend to everyone actually um, do watch The Evil Within, the Getty yes, film. You've said it twice now, which means I that said it last time. We have to talk it about it on a future episode. We it will happen. It will absolutely happen. Absolutely, do it's so incredible. Seek it out. Um, there are no words. I will try and find some <laughs> when we do talk about it, but you'll need to watch it a couple of times, and it's fine because you'll be really quiet the second time because you'll be in shock from having watched it the first time. Amazing. So you can really focus. And do you have anything to plug? What have you been up to recently? What do you have coming up? Coming up, um, I've just had my next audio episode of Doctor Who has been announced. Nice. That's really cool. It's full cast, Paul McGann, Doctor story, so um, Eighth Doctor. And that is coming out in October. That's being released through Big Finish. And it's part of a really cool sort of bigger story called Time Lord Victorious and they're doing it's multi-platform so there's going to be live events and books and things like that attached to the project sounds really cool that's really cool yeah it's really cool it is exciting (laughs) yeah I love I love writing Doctor Who I feel very lucky the other thing is my third company Hermetic Arts we also have a SoundCloud like like you do and we have one audio story up there right now and this week we're going to be recording two more and putting those up so if you like horror and you like short audio stories slash monologues then yeah find us on soundcloud hermetic arts awesome i'll pop a link in the description and people can follow you on twitter as well right oh yeah at carrie marks m-a-r-x cool i will put that in the description as well thank you so much for coming back and bringing this film into my life so welcome and yeah i look forward to whatever weird film we watch together next me too (laughs) see you soon take care bye bye and that was episode seven of the big fat cult movie podcast thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed it let me know what you thought on Twitter at Big Fat Cults. You can also tweet me at Chris underscore Mayo. And don't forget to check out our brand new Big Fat Cults movie store on eBay. There is a link in the description below. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please do give us a nice review and rating on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe so you get all future episodes when they're released. Speaking of future episodes, next episode, I will be joined by my good friend and co-director and co-writer of our dark comedy web series, Mother 
Mother Knows Best, Scott Kingsnorth, we will be dissecting the very bizarre horror comedy Microwave Massacre. That's a really fun episode, so do make sure you check that one out. Other films that we will be covering over the coming weeks and months include The Greasy Strangler, Neil Breen's Fateful Findings, Cemetery Man, Troll 2, Ice Cream Man, Manos the Hands of Fate, and loads more. So we've got some amazing episodes, some amazing guests, so do subscribe and stay tuned. That's all from me for now. Thank you so much for listening to episode seven of the Big Fat Cults movie podcast. And I will see you in another episode very soon. Thank you very much. Goodbye. (laughs) 